0: Welcome to Just an Ordinary Girl. I'm your host. My husband calls me babe, my kiddos call me mama, but you can call me Stevie. I'm Just an Ordinary Girl, helping listeners find the extraordinary life through the extraordinary God. Have I got a treat for you on today's podcast. I had the privilege of joining my husband on the stage for our Sunday morning service this past valentine's day and we got to share with our church how love looks in action you know love is a verb and how do we live that out day in and day out and so you'll be listening to our sunday morning sermon and i hope you enjoy god bless you
1: As uh, most of you might, well, some of you might know and remember, uh, back in January we had told you that we celebrated 20 years of marriage on January 1st. And we had plans for trips, but COVID got in the way. And so we ended up on our anniversary on January 1st down in Spirit Lake, Iowa.
0: <laughs> <Woo-hoo>!
1: <laughs> now you might be like, well, what in the world is wrong with Spirit Lake, Iowa? <laughs> Nothing, but it's, it's right. It is exactly. Iowa. It's not July first. It's January first. <laughs> we found a nice little burger. There were no place lakes there.
0: open. There were no yeah. jet skis. Well, there
1: might have been lakes open, but they had like ice <laughs> shanties on them, and they were fishing or something. Um, and I, I I don't ice fish, so but weird? um so uh. Well, t-
0: Spirit Lake isn't horrible. It's just not New York, and that's where we really wanted yeah, we, to go.
1: Yeah, we 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 were thinking about going to New York, so, so. oh well, we didn't. Oh, well. maybe some other day. Um. I mean, it's, it's, I was the New York of the Midwest, right? No, it's really it's not <laughs> <laughs> It's Minneapolis, right? It's yes. Minneapolis. <laughs> we found a cute <laughs> anyways, little place. It was good. It was good. It worked. But anyways, so, um, with that, we decided let's, let's take team preachers. is Valentine's day. And, uh, we were originally going to be like, let's do 20, 20 tips for relationships. And I was like, no, we don't need a 20-point sermon, especially last week when I took up like an hour of your time. And so uh, we, we decided to kind of break it down, and, and uh, we decided that we're, we're going to preach on something that's very near and dear to our heart because we are celebrating in our 20th year of marriage. But, Steve, why don't you explain that a little
0: more? Well, we base this on our wedding vows. So you don't have to be married Okay, it's fine. Because we based them on Romans 9 tw- um or 12, 9 through 21. So we're I'm actually going to read it in ESV. I think that's the the I'm version. Read it in NIV. Oh, you are. Okay. No, I just you are. I am. You're gonna read it. I am going to read it. But anyway, at the beginning of NIV, the little caption that man has put, they put love in action. And so we had been we had decided that we wanted to write our own vows, and we had just thought, why did we decide that? Because then we have to come up with something. So we just stole from God, and we took the vows that we, as we were reading, I even wrote in the top of my Bible when we were reading it, oh, these are our vows, okay, wrote for us. It's really good. So we really, though, when we read it, we thought, this is what we want. We want a marriage that love is an action, that it is intentional. Um, So we looked through, and when we saw the scripture, we thought, "This this is perfect. So I'm going to have him go to slide three real quick, because it's kind of out of order. So we actually wrote it, I did, made a little art piece here, and put our vows on our bedroom wall, because we thought, well, if you're going to vow that for the rest of your life, you might want to remember what they are. So I'm going to ask Dave, you guys stand back here so you can't see the screen. Okay. Do you remember our wedding vows?
1: I love you to the ends of the, no, I'm not kidding wrong i vow uh, i don't even know if you guys can see it cuz it's on some goofy and there, paper and by the
0: way um because i was silly I and mean, when i redid our room a couple years ago i did it and i didn't like the pattern so i rearranged the vows they aren't s- said right. exactly the way we said them
1: so if you um, can actually read them
0: so cuz it doesn't matter what order they were them. in but i wanted them to look a certain way so i rearranged them so if he says them it doesn't matter he's a, he's right as long as it's up there
1: it is I love, not I love, I (laughs) vow to love you sincerely, to hate what is evil and cling to what is good, to honor you above myself. Ish. No, to
0: be devoted. To be,
1: (laughs) right, to be devoted to you, honoring (laughs) you above myself. Uh, to never be lacking in zeal, but keeping my spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Yes. To be joyful in hope. Patient in, to be patient in affliction, affliction. I say that ten times fast. To be patient in affliction. To be faithful in prayer. Don't tell me. <laughs> it is... Um,
0: so unfair.
1: Uh, I can't Yay, remember that so second to last to one. And then, oh, the, well, the last one, what? Oh, to rejoice when you rejoice <laughs> and to mourn when you mourn. And as far as it depends on me to live at peace with you, as long as, as, as we, long both we both live. shall live.
0: The long as we both shall live is not in the Bible. Too bad. Our pastor made us add that one. Um, but.
1: but yeah, you got to read the scripture so that they know what the heck we're talking right. about. Right.
0: <laughs> so that is, you did a good job.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Here's what the scripture says, because of course we didn't read it exactly, but here's what the scripture says. It says, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor um, another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn, live in harmony with one another. do not be overcome with evil, by evil, but overcome evil with good. That is love and action in just a few paragraphs. Right? Right. So we understand that right I'm skipping because I messed up. It's all good. We have notes, you know. But we understand that not everyone's married, that all relationships still exist outside of marriage. And so we wanted to come up with the top 10 of making love an action word, an action, it's a verb. Um, the ten things that you can help you develop successful relationships, either with grown children, with your little children, with bosses, closest friends, and especially within a marriage. Especially if you're thinking about getting married, thinking of how you could put this in action. So our first one is, I vow to love you sincerely. Um, you cannot fake it and still have a genuine relationship with someone. You can't say, oh, I love you, and then not... Act upon it. Act, not do anything. We see right through a fake facade every time. If you have to fake it, you should be praying that God is going to increase the love that you have. A lot of times this is going to boil down to praying, God, I do not love that person. I really have not good feelings towards that person. But God wants us to love sincerely. Um, Ask him to increase that love. When When it comes to your spouse, you need to ask God. I need to have the love and the passion that said, I do. That said, yes, I will marry you. I need to go back to that point. God didn't say get married and then hate each other. So you have to actually live that part out. You can't, um, that would include every time you do something, you can't grumble that you're doing it, you know, because you love the person. You don't want to be like, oh, fine, I'll I'll do this because it's an action of love. No, you really want it to be completely sincere. Just pray that God will focus your feelings. Um, I think it's important that this is one of the first ones in this particular uh, passage of scripture, because it's God knew that if we can't love, we're not going to be able to do the rest of the list. If our love is fake, we'll give up eventually. It's too hard. Um, Then once you've prayed, behave in the way that is sincerely loving. This speaks to our thoughts. If you're having bad thoughts, about whatever is going on. You need to get those under control and ask God to take them captive so that your love can be real. This is it doesn't work. The whole motto of fake it till you make it does not work in this way. You will be found out and then people think it's fake and they're not going to listen. They're not going to want to do that. So just ask God that to help you love the person that he loves. See, ask God, "Can I see this person through your eyes because he loves unconditionally?" And so especially with your spouse, we need to be loving unconditionally.
1: Right, right. And so the scripture here, so it starts with love sincerely, uh, but then it does kind of a word play here. And so love sincerely, and then all of a sudden hate. <laughs> hate what is evil and cling to what is good. Now, hate is usually a pretty strong word, correct? Uh, most people, I know that's like a word you cannot say in the family. Hey, you can't say hate and all those kinds of things. Uh, but with this, with if your mindset is that way, then guess what? God is very serious about this. Hate what is evil. Whatever you see out there that is evil, you need to push away from it. You need to get away from that and then cling to what is good. And what does Jesus tell us when when people are talking to him? Hey, you're so good. You're amazing. What does Jesus say? I'm not good. Only the Father is good. The only good thing out there is God the Father. So when you're hating evil, when you're pushing away the things of this world, God doesn't just say, hey, just drop that and just keep moving on. No, hate what is evil and then cling to what is good. Grab on to God. Grab on to the Father. Grab on to the Word. Grab on to Christ. Just like we did today with communion. Grab on to Jesus Christ, the the remembering of his sacrifice, the remembering of his life for us. Cling to those things. Cling to all that is good, which is all that is God, because that's going to help you in your relationships no matter what you're doing. If I can just push away what the world says is great about relationships, what the world thinks is okay with relationships, and I'm pretty sure a good chunk of us in this room can pretty much say, yeah, the world doesn't right. have it too right. <laughs> so we want to cling to what is good. We want to cling to what God has for our relationships with him and with other people. So hate what is evil and cling to what is good.
0: Our third vow is to be devoted to you, honoring you above myself. It's putting others ahead of yourself, saying, you know what, my, my needs, my wants are not everything, the be-all, end-all. I need to be, and you do that because you're devoted. As a devoted friend, as a devoted worker, as a devoted spouse, you're going to love sincerely. You're going to hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and you're going to say, you know what, what, is, what you need, I'm going to put above above you, myself. Um, there's a song that we all used to sing with, sing with the kids. J is for Jesus, O is for others, Y I I I I is for you, and that brings joy. So we put Jesus first, others. That's yes, awesome I mean I wish I could do the movements. We should have but... done that last night. Right. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. But others <laughs> is next, and then yourself. And the good thing is that within a marriage, especially when both partners are doing this, you're not going to lose because you're all. Even though you're putting that person above you. They're putting you above them. My youth pastor growing up, he and his wife said, Our, we have a goal of just always outdoing one another in love. Our goal is just to continually out be one-up each other in love. So if, if they're really loving, I better do the be- better next week. You know, I better do something just to one-up, and not necessarily a bad competition, but to say, I'm going to love you more than you love me. You know, that kind of fun little fight. But... When you do that, you're, you're not going to lose out. You know that your spouse is going to put you ahead. You're going to put them ahead. When it comes to outside of any, well, really with any relationship, if anyone thinks they're going to cause you to sin, and then you're going to say, oh, but I'm supposed to put your, you want me to do that with you, and I know that that's a sin, and that's not how that works because we're first devoted to the Lord. And we say, I, I serve the Lord, and so he's first. So if you can, if you can put others above yourself and still follow the Lord and be devoted to the Lord, great, do it. So if that means you're in a workplace and you have to change your routine because it's gonna please someone else, change your routine to please someone else. If it means you come in a little bit early because you know that person was having a hard day, come in a little bit early. Do whatever it takes. But in a marriage, you're just gonna constantly say, you know what, they're tired, I'm tired, but I'm gonna put them first. I'll do the dishes this time. You know, or I'll do whatever it's gonna take to be because you're devoted, because you're, you're in it for the long haul. You're saying, hey, I'm going to do whatever I can to please the other person, honoring them above their self. It's basically happy wife, happy life. But you can kind of include your husband, too, <laughs> right. I suppose. Right. I guess. I mean, husbands, really, for real, happy wife, happy life.
1: <laughs> Good job. I man. mean,
0: I don't know. That's, I don't know if guys That's not say. bias at all. No, but that's okay. But anyway, happy home. Is, this will work. Happy
1: gnome? What? I don't know. Happy home. <laughs> Did I say gnome? No. Oh. I don't know. I'm trying to get something to rhyme with home. Oh, right. I don't have a gnome for that. a wife.
0: Well, right. What am I going to do with husband. that? Happy husband. It doesn't work. Happy husband. So, oh, well. Happy Bummer. Happy. We just have to focus on the wife. <laughs> there you go.
1: <laughs> um, the next one is, is a little bit interesting, especially for me. It's the never be lacking in zeal, but keep my spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Never be lacking in zeal, so I'm going to be very, very transparent with you guys. Um, Stevie won't let me say this the way I really wanted to say it, but I'll just, I'll just say it the way she wants me to say it. So here's the deal: deep down, deep inside, in the crevices of my heart, way deep down there, in my soul. Um,
0: sounds like you're going to say something romantic. I, I know, no, <laughs> and you're not
1: not romantic at all. Or I'm about to confess something that you guys don't want to hear me confess. But um, I, a, I, I have the desire to be as lazy as can be. <laughs> I, I, I tell you what, friends. I, in, like in the summertime, it's cool. I, I like the way... Well sometimes I like the way my yard looks after I mow the lawn and even when I snow blow I think it looks really good and you know that's that's great but you know what I hate doing all of the work to get it to look that way <laughs> I mean that's that's just what it is I I have a great desire to be the laziest man on earth. I, I, I really do. I do work hard, and, and you have to work. If a man doesn't work, man doesn't eat. So I get that. But deep down, the desire is to not work. I don't I don't want to work. I'm looking forward to the kingdom of heaven, but I'm, I'm sure there's going to be work there to do. It's just going to be better, because you're not going to be tired. You're not going to have to be like, ah, it's getting, it's getting dark. I better get out there and mow the lawn or whatever it is. But um, it's... It's that idea. So, so for me, uh, there is there's an act there. There's an actual action to not be lacking in zeal. Um, And it says here, how do you not lack in zeal? Well, you keep your spiritual fervor by serving the Lord, by following God, knowing that He has plans for you, knowing that He has things for you to do. And when you decide to be obedient, you decide to follow Him. Guess what? You're gonna see good things happen. In your life, you're going to see the Lord continue to build you up, continue to show you the direction you need to go, and you are going to be successful at what you do within the Lord's eyes. Now, it may not look successful to the world, who gives a flying rip, though, what the world thinks. It's what the Lord thinks. So I'm going to keep my zeal by keeping my spiritual fervor. For the Lord. So many people, you know, you you get into relationships, especially your marriages and stuff, and it's like, well, you got to keep doting on her, you got to keep doting on him, you got to keep doing all these different things. When the truth is, probably what most of us need to do is start getting more connected with God. Start reading the word more. Start praying a little bit more. Start maybe maybe fasting every now and then, doing those kinds of things and you'll see that the lack of zeal that you have, the laziness that you may be experiencing spiritually or even in your relationships might just go up. I, I don't know if I'm if i would be jumping ahead of this but we were we were just talking to a pastor uh, that we know in another church in, in the area here and he was just talking about you know he's he's in a position of leadership to where he deals with pastors you know that have that have fallen that have had the moral failures and he's like the first question i ask all of these guys whether they've completely fallen or they're feeling kind of tempted to do those kinds of things the the first question he asks them is How's your devotional life? Right. What, are, what are you doing for the Lord? And beyond preparing a sermon each week, right. what are you doing to get that relationship right so that you don't fall into this path? Friends, if you want your marriage to be successful, if you want your relationship with your children to be successful, you want your, your boss, employee, whatever relationship to be successful, I'm telling you right now, you need to work on your spiritual fervor for the Lord. It, it, it may sound the complete opposite, and you know what? The Lord is going to bring you through some fires, and you're going to be like, you've got to be kidding me. Uh, getting closer to God, I it, it seems like it's getting even worse. And the reason that it seems like it might be getting worse in some of those relationships is because the devil understands. Right. You're getting closer to God. Your zeal is picking up, and I don't need that. I need you to be wasted. It's mainly what the, what Satan is saying. The enemy comes to seek, steal, and destroy. And so that's that's what he's trying to do. So as you get closer to God, and all of a sudden you're like, man, this seems more difficult, quote-unquote, don't worry about it. The Lord is going to have your back as long as you stick with him. Sin follows those that don't follow the Lord. You want to follow the Lord, though, calamity won't strike as as crazy as it might it, Calamity may strike, but guess what? You'll have the peace to understand. I'm going to be able to get through it because my spiritual fervor for the Lord is up there because I am following him. I am being obedient to him and and doing what he has called me to do within my I'm life. Gonna,
0: it's not on there. So we're going off script, sorry. But oh man, I told him, I said, we need now. to come up with some examples. But um, So when we first got married... Well, we, when we were dating and when we were engaged. Want, I don't want you to look
1: at me that way when you say when, that.
0: When we were dating and when we were engaged, he was all about holding my hand and being so sweet. And then we got married and I said, what happened? You don't ever want to hold my hand. You don't ever want to be sweet with me. And he's like, he, I, he, he's great now, don't worry. But He's like, I already got you.
1: It's, it's the hunt. I, I shot it. I, the animal it is dead. I mean, we were I don't keep shooting the animal if I'm hunting an we animal. We were
0: 22, and it really hurt my feelings. Like, I cried. Like, it really hurt my feelings. Like, oh, this is it's what gone. we have the rest of our life for. Like, great. You got me. I guess that's it. And so I remember thinking. It worked. <laughs> I remember thinking that I was just so sad about that. And so I came back with, well, would you pray about that? Would you just go to the Lord and say what you just said to me and see if that works? He's like, oh,
1: conviction of the Holy Spirit. He's
0: like, okay, fine. But because he was committed to having a, a spiritual zeal for the Lord and serve the Lord, he, he doesn't hold my hand. He doesn't like it. He just, he's like, I liked it only to get you. That's fine. We can compromise there. But <laughs> if, it, if it helped, I
1: told her this too. I, I, I wasn't into holding anybody's hands. <laughs>
0: But you didn't. Even the- when
1: I pray with people, I have a hard time. Right. holding Right, but
0: it was fine. Service. That's just part of the compromise. It's fine.
1: <laughs> this is how we will preach the rest of the sermon.
0: No. <laughs> Give my hand back. It's not worth it now. <laughs> no, but when I said that, hey, can you just take that to the Lord? Can you pray about that and see what God would have you do? Because He was committed to that aspect. I mean, He was committed to me too he he figured out ways that he could okay i don't like to hold hands i'll just be honest and we had a short engagement we dated short and was engaged within a year so we only had to fake that for like a year you know <laughs> and then he's like i just can't i just don't like it okay fine but you know there's other there he could he he figured out like okay we can we can work that part out i heard her feelings but i just remember thinking I just said that on a whim, like, hey, can you pray about that? But because I feel like his desire was to keep his spiritual zeal and his desire was to serve the Lord, he was going to serve me in any way that I needed it, you know, and because, you know, okay, fine, we won't hold hands, that's fine, Um, because it's kind of awkward to hold someone's hand that doesn't want to hold your hand. You always know in your mind he hates this every time you try to hold their hand, so that's fine. He holds my hand when we pray. He's all right. It's good. But anyway, moving on. It's good. I'm fine. I'll just cry it a little bit I'm fine. Either.
1: I'm fine. Keep repeating it to yourself, and you'll be, it'll be, it'll <laughs> so be the number, truth.
0: Number five is joyful in hope. Now, we took one scripture and broke it up into uh, three different ones, but, but it says we are joyful in hope. We're joyful in the future. The things that are.
1: <laughs> she was joyful that I would at some point hold her hand.
0: <laughs> As we do each one of these things that are in this, this, top ten list here, as we draw closer and have better relationships, we're going to face trials. It just happens. You can't live life with a flawed person as a flawed person and not have trials. And so we have to just remember that it's just a little bit on uh, in our lives. It's just going to be a little bit. And when we're joyful in hope, we have a hope that as long as we're serving the Lord, as long as we're doing these things, that God's going to work it out. We're going to come out together. We're going to... we're. For us, part of that hope is we're not going to get divorced no matter what we go through. We're going to stay in this forever. And so there is joy in the fact that, okay, this is really hard. This is really a, a tough time, but there's joy in that. We, we do, if I do things that I need to do, since I know that God's established the relationship, there's going to be hope in the fact of saying that if I do it right, I'm going to come across, it's going to do it. If I love sincere, I'm going to have joy in the hope that it's going to it's gonna pay off in the end. Um, You may not have a spouse that follows all these things, but you can still have joy that if you do it right, there's going to be a blessing. If I'm devoted and putting Dave above myself, I have joy that it's going to work out. Romans 8.28, if all good things work for the good of those who love love him, there is joy in that hope.
1: So you have the joyful hope when you're looking towards the future, especially for all believers in the book of Revelation, you have the blessed hope, which is Jesus coming down and whooping up on all the enemies of the world, and we get to spend eternity with him uh, on the new heavens, the new earth, new Jerusalem, all that good kind of stuff. So you have the joyful and hope, but you know, at least up until that time, and and even in your marriages, as Stevie was talking about, and your other relationships, there are problems are going to rise. We're going to have issues. We're going to have situations. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have fights. You're going to have bumps in the road, and you're going to need to make it through there. And so the next one that the, the Bible gives us is, uh, I vow to be, well, we say I vow, okay. but to be patient in affliction. That, uh, that seems like really bad advice, right? <laughs> if, if you're in something that's difficult, what's the usual advice that you're going to get, out get out or give? <laughs> Get out. Get out as soon as you can. You know, if the, the if the church started on fire, well just be patient. The fire department will show up at some point. But just be patient. And so it, it seems off. But it's when you're when you're dealing with relationships and those kinds of things, this is the way to go. To be patient in affliction, knowing that in the future things are going to work out the way that God has them planned. So you wait during the affliction. You you almost you know people are like you know he'll he'll move that mountain out of your way, and sometimes he doesn't move that mountain out of your way. You know what he does? just crams you right through the mountain, <laughs> He just pushes you right through. <laughs> we're going to get to the other side of the mountain, but we're going to go through it, and you're going to think you're going to be crushed in the middle of it. But by the time you're done and by the time it's all over, the Lord has made you better. The Lord has made you more powerful. The more, Lord has made you uh, more gifted in, in whatever it may be. So to be patient in affliction, no matter how difficult it may be, you you, you be patient in in affliction now like I said you're going to run into conflict you're going to run into some times when it's like how do I overcome this well we're not going to keep you here for another hour to to talk about that but if you want to if you head to the church website I still have the messages from last February in the series that we did the first one in relationships 101 literally it's dealing with conflict so if you want to listen to that you can uh, CrossroadsStJames.life backslash sermons and you'll see it it's it's probably towards the bottom because it was over it was a year ago over a year ago now um but uh if you're wanting in the conflict and you're trying to figure out how can i get through that conflict how can i be patient that's a good place to look and um, but yeah just we need to understand that when those difficulties arise we keep our eyes focused on the lord and we be patient during that time of affliction
0: which leads us to the seven to seven, and it's kind of funny. I, I'm not trying to say that I would write the Bible any differently than God would, but I would almost put this one the first of the those three: the joyful and hope, patient and affliction, and then this one is I vow to be faithful in prayer because I feel like you can't be joyful and you can't be patient if you don't have prayer. <laughs> if you're not faithful in prayer, um, I think I might have told you guys this last year, but I. My first five years of marriage, I carried around a book called The power, power of a Praying Wife. They have a power of a praying husband. They have a power of a praying parent of adult children and, and re- the regular children, you know, not the <laughs> regular ones. Just regular kids. Um, I think they have power of a praying, praying grandparent, but it's pretty much... It, the whole book is in 31 chapters, so each day of the month, you're praying something different for your spouse, your kids, your whatever. And I carried that around. And I, if, if he... <coughs> Something bothered me. I thought, I'm going to take it to the Lord before I take it to him. And I'd put it on a little post-it note, and I'd stick it in, in that book wherever I thought it was, should go. And I thought, well, I'm not going to mention anything unless I've taken it to prayer. And mo- more times than not, I was taking that prayer out because I was changed. Not that he was. It was that I didn't care anymore about whatever it was that I was annoyed with. You know, I, I'm sure we're the only married couple that's annoyed with one another once in a while. He's never annoyed with me. I don't know how
1: well those prayers worked. I still whistle.
0: (laughs) That's true. Well, because but it it still annoys me. I don't allow whistling, (laughs) and he doesn't care. (laughs) But it is important, though, that we take those things to prayer because it changes us and it changes the situation. The things that the things that were very important that it wasn't it wasn't it was something that he needed to change. I could watch. God do work in him. I didn't have to. I didn't have to make our marriage where we were bickering all the time about every little thing. I could let God deal with what he needed to deal with. And it was so wonderful and such a, a faith builder in me to see that that prayer worked. Like, whoa, that's a complete turnaround for him. Like, you know, whatever it might be that I was going to be praying for, he he would begin to to change right before my very eyes and I could see that God was doing that then I didn't have to worry about if I was if I was asking too much or whatever God was going to work that also changing me too that those things happened because I was we were being faithful in prayer and when you deal with someone at work or you're dealing with whatever relationship adult children your your own parents your sibling, you know grown siblings whatever being faithful in prayer can go a long way in that relationship can really fix or remind you that maybe you do have to pull back from certain relationships if you need to, because you can you can do those things and you can do all the things that we're listing because we're faithful, being faithful in prayer.
1: And you know, being faithful, you know, like she's talking about, it's the aspect of consistency, consistent, you know, faithful, consistent, you know, being consistent in your prayers. The other thing is to to be faithful, full of faith. Right, right. When you pray. You say, Lord, I know that you can do these things. I know that you can make David stop being annoying to me, so lord i 'm going to have that faith and pray that he stops being annoying to me. just kidding no but uh, but in all seriousness, when you go to prayer, what I mean what does the Bible tell us? you know believe when when you go to the Lord it, I mean, what good is it if you don 't believe? so believe that the Lord will work through this situation that that he will do that. you know one thing that sh- that she didn 't mention also that she did not do. Was which which some of you might be thinking this because I know I just thought about it and I'm I'm not the smartest tool in the sh- sharpest tool in the shed whatever it is brightest bulb in the socket I don't know what it is but um she didn't also turn to me and say you know what I'm praying about Dave. <laughs> I am praying that you would stop doing whatever you're doing. You know, it's it, it kind of ruins that when, when you do it that way. So if you're like, oh, that's some good advice. And you know what? I will let them know that I'm praying for that situation. But
0: what if you honestly, with works. every relationship, said, before I approach this person, before I open my mouth towards that person, I'm going to take it to the Lord. Right. You know, every relationship that you have, whether it be with a neighbor, whether it be with you know, like a car parked in your spot or something, you know, I'm going to pray about that. Before before I go to this person, I'm going to pray about it. You're probably going to handle each one of those relationships a little bit better. I right. mean, I I cannot honestly say I do it every time with anybody. Right. There's times that we just say things off the top, but if we can get to the point where we're like, you know what, I'm not going to approach anybody on an issue before I pray about it, then I think right. we can... <laughs>
1: Prayer is very effective, yeah. and uh, I encourage you to do it. <laughs> Make sure you pray. <laughs> Be praying. Uh, the next one, moving on here. Um, I vow to rejoice when you rejoice and mourn when you mourn. Um, really, it's this is kind of like empathy. This is really... Read the temperature of the room kind of thing you know you know it, especially as you know as husband and wife, you know I'm coming home from a long day at work and uh, especially when like Zach and Lily were really young um, and I'm coming home and some of you know that my my last uh, secular job, my full-time job was the manager of a group home for developmentally disabled adults and so there were plenty of days where I'm dealing with the clients i'm dealing with the uh my the employees that are under me i i'm dealing with guardians i'm dealing with on occasion i was dealing with probation officers i was dealing with all sorts of stuff and so i would come home and i'd be ready to be done just to open the door and realize that she was also ready to be done (laughs) and i'm like oh my goodness and and there was a period of time when I first would get home I, I'd stop at the mailbox grab the mail come into the house and flip through the mail most of it was junk but occasionally and then I'd sit there and open it and it was like I had In my
0: eyes he's I had my slow.
1: my dad my <laughs> dad ears on and I heard nothing I heard no children screaming I heard no wife oh my goodness <laughs> Dinner's not even close to started yet, let alone done, and and I'm just reading the mail as if I actually cared about it. But it it, it came to the point where Stevie literally had to tell me, hey, listen, when you come home, it's got to be 50-50. It's got to because I'm going to die because they're pulling on me, they're crying about something, they want to do something else, they don't like dinner, that's about to be made, whatever it may be. And then I had to realize... I got to read the temperature in the room. She might be exhausted, I might be exhausted. Great. Let's let's take the burden off of each other at least 50% right. and then both of us are 50% exhausted doing 50% of the work and and doing that that kind of stuff. So, you know, rejoice when they rejoice, mourn when they mourn to be able to read the temperature of the room, to be able to understand what mood a person is, what a person is thinking as you're coming into a situation. You know, it's if a person, you know, is going through something difficult, going through something harrowing, sad, whatever it may be, you come in and you're all like, whoa, what's up? This is amazing. This is awesome. It, 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 it's going to clash. And you're probably going to incite anger more than anything. Right. So as you're coming into something, you know, just pray for the Spirit to give you discernment. Lord, I need discernment as I'm coming in here. I don't care what it is. Even if you're coming into church on a Sunday morning, Lord, give me discernment. Hopefully you would understand and know I'm coming into a time of, of worship so I'm not going to come in blowing trumpets and, and whatever to, to focus on me but what am I going to do? I'm going to come in and I'm going to get my heart ready to worship him, to, to focus on him and who God is. And if we would do that in, in each aspect of our life, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice. You realize that it's a great time. It's a great thing to celebrate, even if you're feeling down and you're kind of like, man, I had a really rough day. Take the opportunity first to rejoice with those who are rejoicing. And then after that time of rejoicing, say, hey, you know what, though? I could, I could use... Uh, an ear that can listen to me for right now because I'm actually going through kind of a rough time right now. Do you think we could chat? Do you think we could talk? Do you think you could pray with me? Uh, whatever it may be. But, but just understand to read the temperature in the room, to understand what's going on. That way you're not inciting anger. You're not um, making people feel uncomfortable, awkward. Um, and And you don't, honestly, you don't look like the fool. I mean, I'm sure all of us have been in those situations where you're like, That person has no clue what's going on right now and they look like a a complete goofball as they're saying whatever they're saying as they're doing whatever they're doing to be able to be aware and say okay this is the situation that's happening right now i'm either going to rejoice with them or i'm going to mourn with them whatever it is i'm going to follow the lord in that and be able to uplift them because you'll be able to uplift them way better by understanding where they are at than just completely ignoring something like and that. And I think
0: like the world calls it validation. You're right. validating the other person and realizing and and when you're putting another person above yourself, a lot of times you might have to you might be super excited and you look over and you're like, "Oh, is everything okay? Like what's going on?" And then once that's all done, then you can say, "I have some really great news I wanted to tell you." You know, and you're going to go you're going to do that back and forth type thing. So, To end our vows, it says, And I will, as far as it depends on me, live at peace with you. That's what we said in our vows. The Bible, Scripture says, As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Um, If it's within your power to make peace, do it. This means you're not going to start trouble on purpose. When you know the buttons to push, you're not going to push them. You know, the the thing about marriage is that it's such an intimate relationship that you know what you can and can't say. You know what you can say to make that person angry, and you can say them really quickly because your brain can be thinking it, and as soon as they walk in the door, boom, you're ready to, like, attack, and so you have to be very careful that you are not doing that because as far as it depends on you, you want to make peace, so don't pick fights. The The passive-aggressive um, aspect of how people want to be sometimes with workers, with with spouses, with children, you know, the the silent guilt trips that you put, you're going to make peace. You're not going to do the things that it takes for you to pick that that fight. Um, You may... Sorry, this is... You can't always... Okay, sorry. I should just not even look at it because it doesn't make any sense. But I love that the Scripture uses the phrase as far as it depends on you. Because we all know that we go into situations where the other person does not care any of the things that we just said. They don't care. And you can do everything right, and there will still be unrest, because they don't care. They're going to be picking the fights. They're going to be doing this. They're going to be having crazy expectations on you. But the Bible doesn't say you have to make peace and bend over backwards and make it impossible. The Bible says as far as it depends on you. And so we take the rest of the Bible in there, and we say the priorities are my God, my family, my family, my church, you know, my kids, whatever. You go down your priority list and you, there might be someone that you're not going to make happy. That's okay. Because you have to do what is dependent on you. And so unfortunately, we know that there are some people in a marriage that this is not a two-way street. And that's really sad. I hate that. I wish it could be. I, I, I love our marriage. And I'm so sad when people are, when I'm like, oh, not everyone wants to put in everything in there but you can still work to say i'm going to make as far as it depends on me i'm going to do the best i can so if i need to just stop talking here i'm going to go i'm going to go retreat and pray as far as it depends on me i'm not going to keep picking those fights and doing those things because we know that it's it's if we want peace in our home if we want peace in our relationships that's not going to it's not going to matter so we do have this one issue though i just did the ninth one and that was all we had our
1: vows right we only had nine but you said said ten Ten. so we're gonna have to do do a a tenth one so make it up no ten point sermon here we go we're gonna finish it up here the last one i vow not to be conceited. right we didn't have this in our vows because by golly we knew it all (laughs) we knew exactly what we were doing we
0: figured we were so i mean as madly in love as you could be after 11 months of being together you know why would you ever need one that says, don't be conceited? I'm not going to say that in a vow. We had a week-long honeymoon, and we realized at the end of it, we really needed that to be part of our vows. <laughs> I vow not to be conceited. Or I vow, you know, conceited, the different versions will say, uh, not to be proud, not to, I want to be humble. We want to be, we ne- I think we needed that in there. But you don't think that. You think, oh, we're so in love, and we, we love conquers all.
1: It does conquers everything.
0: God's love, I Anyways, don't know. Right, but uh, no.
1: <laughs> in all seriousness, though, to not be conceited, all of these things—the only way they're successful—and I know it, you know, love sincerely is needed to be number one there. But the idea of not being conceited, to to submit all of who you are, everything you have, to God. Mm-hmm. i'm going to submit it to you you're you're number one God, and as we do that, all of these other things are going to line up in the place seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then everything else will be added unto you for those of you that are with us on Wednesday night we talked about that god is, Jesus is king, and listen this is the rule and if you 're going to follow the rule if you're going to, if you 're going to submit yourself if you 're going to uh let go of your own selfish desires. Let go of who you think you are and say, you know what? I'm a child of God, and I'm going to follow his rule and his reign. Guess what? Everything else right. works. That's how this works. That's, that's how it's. That, I mean, that's the answer to all of your questions, all of your issues, all of your problems is to submit to the will of God, to not say, I can do this on my own. I can get myself out of this. By oh, golly, I, I put myself sense. into this situation. <laughs> I can take myself out of it. That's not ever how it works. You can put yourself into a whole bunch of situations. But getting them out, it's going to take someone else. Like my dad was in the Navy, you know, and and there were times when we got to tour the ships and do cool things. My dad worked on an aircraft carrier for a while. And uh, uh, it's called a fast frigate. It's like a small battleship kind of looking thing you know and I got to be on those ships and you can get way deep down I mean they 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 cram those things with a bunch of people I mean my dad's bed um, was about the size of this this music stand he's like I laid right there okay it's a little (laughs) bit bigger it's like four music stands but I mean it, it was it was crammed and and the deeper you got into the bowels of that ship and and doing those things I mean it's cool I could get myself into the ship and I could look at all these different things I could look at the engine room I could look at all those kinds of things but if I wanted to get off of that ship I needed my dad right there to say okay David wasn't that cool looking now we got to go this way to get out of this place because guess what there weren't like exit signs like it's a ship so you knew the ship you knew how how it worked so so I needed my dad to help get me out of that ship whenever we got deep down into the bowels of those ships it's the same thing with life you can get yourself into all sorts of stuff you can go meandering everywhere you want to but if you don't turn to god you're going to be stuck wherever you've meandered yourself into you can get yourself into tons of situations but the only way to get yourself out of those situations is usually with god because chances are you weren't looking towards god when you got yourself into those situations and so you've allowed yourself to go where you've gone and calamity has struck you need to let go of your pride, your arrogance, and say, "Lord, I need you." And then He's going to pluck you out. Like Stevie said, "We knew everything. We were just getting married. We we had it all set." I went to Bible college. She went to Bible college. We're awesome. We're great. Woo hoo! Have our marriage within two hours of getting married. Woo! You want to follow us? And then within a week, we're like, "Man, <laughs> we were wrong." <laughs> no, but, we were um, wrong. We were terrible. <laughs> horribly wrong not horribly wrong about getting married we no, I mean, are wrong about being knowing it all that's what i'm but talking about
0: when we if you think it's all about you in a marriage or any relationship right i mean you have when you submit to god you're submitting to one another as well exactly. you're submitting and saying you know it's not all about me every single time and if it is it's not going to go very far but also i mean that go you have to submit to god And then you're submitting one to another. And, you know, the Bible tells, submit is such a naughty word. People hate it. And they they either ignore it or cling to it. The wives submit to your husband. But keep reading because then it says, submit one to another. Submit one to another. So we both submit to one another. It doesn't mean that he isn't not the leader of our home. But we're going to submit to one another because neither one of us are a bag of chips and all that. How's the phrase go? See, so, yeah, I'm so old.
1: Best things in sliced bread is yes, what I was best thinking. Best
0: things in, well, you or better than bread. Or all that in a bag of chips. Like,
1: yeah. I'm a little better than sliced bread, but I really like sliced bread because I don't <laughs> cut very straight. It gets weird. Anyway, <laughs> I have a pre cut. No, but but that's what we had. So, our 10 point sermon for you guys today on Valentine's Day. No, we really do want you to understand. The whole idea of submitting to God's will, to submitting to God's reign in, in all that you do. And, and when you do that, all these other things happen. To be able to love sincerely, to be joyful and whole patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Mourn with those who mourn. Uh, rejoice with those who rejoice. Live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on you. There's a few more in there. I've got them all out of order as it is. But the whole idea is that first step is I'm, I need to submit to God's will in my life. And God wants you one, to be saved. And then number two, he wants you to be obedient. And so follow all of those things, you know, go after him and say, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. And then I need to continue to follow in obedience. And these things will work out. It'll be rough at times. It's going to be tough. You're going to, I mean, that scripture said, you're you're gonna you're gonna have affliction. You're gonna have to be patient in that affliction, but the Lord will bring you out. Why don't you stand with me today, as we pray over you guys, and um, we're just gonna pray over your relationships uh, overall, whether you're married, uh, whether you're single, uh, if you got kids, if you don't have kids, if uh, if you're working. Uh, If you're in school, whatever it may be, we we deal with relationships in our lives. And the the first aspect of making sure that these relationships, of getting these relationships right and in order, is to make sure that your relationship with God is in order and submitting to who He is.
0: Remember, 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3 says, "'If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal.' If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I can give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Ordinary Girl Stevie, and that was my awesome husband, Dave.